Father God, I just thank you right now for just your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. I thank you for just all of your love, for every testimony that has gone forth on today. God, I just pray that it would strengthen the person who spoke the testimony and it would strengthen all of us as hearers, oh God. And where there's healing needed, I thank you for healing. Where there's peace needed, I thank you for peace, God. Where there's strength needed, I thank you for strength just being delivered to each and every person, whatever the need is that you are already supplying it. And Lord, I just pray that as we go into your word today, that you would just reveal to us more of yourself, reveal to us more about your word, about who you are, about what you've called us to do. And Lord, I just pray, oh God, that even as I speak, that you would even teach me, oh God, that you would just help me to know more, oh God, help me to say the things that need to be said for today. And whatever I miss, I just pray for the Holy Spirit to speak to the heart and mind of each and every person under the sound of my voice. And just let us go out and be who you've called us to be, Lord. I decrease that you may increase in me and I give you all praise, the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so I'll give you our scriptures for today and um, you can write them down. I don't think I'm going to read everything, but I'm probably going to read a, a lot more than I had originally planned. Um, but I'm going to come out of Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. And that's um, using the voice version that we use. Um, that is page 1437. Also Proverbs chapter three verses five and six that's page 738 romans 8 29 and 30 page 1383 in the voice second corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 through 7 and that is page 1415 second corinthians chapter 12 verses 7 through 10 and that's page 1425 and then 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 and that's page 1506 and I'm also going to read Colossians chapter 1 verse 24 page 1415 and two scriptures just for reference. I mean, you can look at all of Charles Stan Stanley's chapter 15 um, and see all the various scriptures, but the ones that are most you know relevant to what I'm speaking today, those are the ones I'm giving you. But the two background that I'm not going to read but mention is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, page 1440, and Philippians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, page 1447. So I'll go over all those scriptures again as I walk through the, the message for today, but I wanted you to just have them in advance. But today's topic, um, it is about brokenness. It is a topic that goes hand in hand with the discussion of suffering. And when I first read it, um, when I first read this chapter, which is chapter 15, brokenness is God's requirement for maximum usefulness. I couldn't really see anything new to share with you. Uh, I was even talking to my dad yesterday and I was like, oh, I think we already talked about this. I don't really have anything more. And But I just kept praying. I kept digging in, um, asking God. My first thing, no matter when I 
every time I teach, my only question to God is like, what do you have for your people? That really is all that matters. And so I just kept asking. And then as I was asking and I was seeking, you know, like the word says, and you're knocking, you know, you're searching, um, I began to see a few things in a different light. And so, you know, so that's, it's going to be a couple of things that I'll cover today. But in some cases, you might hear me and say, oh, I've heard this before, and this is repetitive. The reality is that we can hear the same thing over and over again and get new revelation every time for our situation in our life. And so even if something that I say sounds like something I said in my last message, well, hopefully you learn something more from it. I'm learning something more every time. Um, but in terms of for today, you know, the thing that I realized is that we live in a world that prizes self-sufficiency, you know, self-reliance. All around us, we are, we are bombarded with messages that say, Success uh, in life is dependent upon our own hard work and effort. And I immediately thought about, well, that's nothing new because we know a result of the curse and the result of sin is that we had to work the ground, you know, till the ground ourselves. And so all of that stuff, it's not like it's anything bad. So whatever I say today, it's not about it being bad. There's no judgment really about it. It's reality. The world that we live in, you know, we have to work. And, and but sometimes people take it a little too far and in working they think well I got to do everything myself it's all about me and what I can do and that's it you know when we look at our our world we see that there are all kinds of self-help books you know that prescribe steps to achieve whatever you're looking to achieve you know 10 steps to make more money five steps to look more beautiful two steps to have the perfect relationship, eight steps to present yourself better, you know, whatever it is you're trying to do in life, there is probably a book out there that can help you figure out a couple of prescribed steps. And then magically you have this, you know, this great life. Um, and the reality is that we know that that's not the case. But the thing is that when you look at the world of Christianity, you know, it's actually not that much different. We have our own version of self-help. Um, that seems to promise us an easy and perfect life if we follow a few steps, if we pray, if we go to church, if we read our Bible, if we tithe and give, you know, and then if you really want to push it far, if you want to go over the edge, if you serve others and you fast, you know, just those big things, if you do those big things, you know, um, then everything in your life is going to go well. Um and I'm not saying anything bad about doing these particular activities. Again, it's not about judgment, but if we really think about it, it's just like the world. We're more focused on our strength, our abilities and our efforts, what we can do to move God and garner his favor in our lives. But as Christians, we must strive to live by a higher standard, one where our sufficiency is strongly rooted in Christ and the work he did for us on the cross. If you go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, again, that was page 1437. Since I see people with their Bibles, I'm going to do like the, the old time. When you have it, say amen. Amen. <laughs> Good job. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For it's by God's grace that you have been saved. You receive it through faith. It was not our plan or our effort. It is God's gift, pure and simple. You didn't earn it. Not one of us did. So don't go around bragging that you must have done something amazing. Um, and we're going to go right to Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. And in the voice again, that was page 738. 
and you all know this one, so I'm not even going to really wait for you to jump to that page. But um, it, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, place yes. your trust in the eternal. Rely on him completely. Never depend upon your own ideas and inventions. Give him the credit for everything you accomplish, and he will smooth out and straighten the road that lies ahead. These scriptures remind us of where our sufficiency lies, but life happens and we can find ourselves forgetting this. To be honest, self-sufficiency comes naturally to most of us because it's how we're wired. We know how to make things happen when needed. It takes conscious effort and honesty with ourselves to live in a way that's rooted in God and not self-sufficiency. I know that some may hear this message and interpret it to mean that we can't do anything by ourselves. We can't make any decisions or movements until we hear from God on every matter. But that is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we must cultivate a spirit, an attitude, a way of living, whereby we're regularly checking ourselves and our heart and motives to ensure that we're aligned with God's heart periodically asking ourselves, why are we saying what we're saying? Why are we doing what we're doing? And going before God to explore where the root of those words and behaviors are. When you cultivate a life that is steeped in the spirit, what I'm talking about becomes your new nature. And most of what I'm saying is what will be your natural state of being. The good thing is that God knows us. He knows our weaknesses. I think about, I think it's the scripture in Psalms that says, he knows us. He knows that we are dust. You know, <laughs> he knows that we are finite creatures. We are prone to worry and care and all these other things, these weaknesses that he does not have. And because he is committed to our spiritual maturity and he's committed to our growth into the likeness of Christ, he has already put plans in place to grow this new nature in us, to grow this new way of being in us. If you go to Romans chapter eight, verses 29 and 30 in page, that's page 1383. I'm going to read this in the voice, but I'm also going to read the message version because I just like the way it's brought out. Um, and if you want to, I'm going to go right into second. I think I'm going to go right into second Corinthians chapter one, verses three through seven on page 1415. So if you want to stick your finger in the other page, um, you can, but Romans eight, 29 and 30 in the voice, it says from the distant past, his eternal love reached into the future. You see, he knew those who would be his one day. And he chose them beforehand to be conformed to the image of his son so that Jesus would be the firstborn of a new family of believers, all brothers and sisters. As for those he chose beforehand, he called them to a different destiny so that they would experience what it means to be made right with God and share in his glory. So again, God already had a plan for us in order to capture, to reach that new nature, um, that nature of really self-sufficient or not self God's sufficiency. That's really what that new nature is all about so that we can see his glory and see his power really um, come forth in our life. In the message version, it says God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. 
We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. I love that. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. Who is him? In Christ. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. God has a clear plan for us. And honestly, suffering is a part of that. Brokenness is a part of that plan. If we jump right into 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, in the voice it says, All praise goes to God, Father of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. He is the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. He consoles us as we endure the pain and hardship of life so that we may draw from his comfort and share it with others in their own struggles. Um, and share it with others in their own struggles. For even as his suffering continues to flood over us through the anointed, we experience the wealth of his comfort just the same. If we are afflicted with such trouble and pain, then know it is so that you might ultimately experience comfort and salvation. If we experience comfort, it is to encourage you so that you can hold up while you endure the same sufferings we all share. Remember that our hope for you stands firm, unshaken, and unshakable. That's because we know that as you share in our sufferings, so you will also share in our comfort. God is committed to bringing us to a place of spiritual maturity, conforming us to the likeness of Christ, as we see in Romans 8 and 29 and 30. And then also so he can work through us and bring others to spiritual maturity through our testimony, as we see in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. Um, There is a purpose to our suffering. There is a purpose to our brokenness. As we've discussed before, the primary means of bringing about growth and spiritual maturity in our lives is suffering. It's more clearly known to us as experiencing trials and tribulations, especially those challenging circumstances that we can't easily bring ourselves out of. As I prepared for this teaching about brokenness, I began to understand the connection between suffering and brokenness. These two experiences are a part of a larger cycle of growth. We go through trials and hardships, which then, if we allow, brings about a state of brokenness that then, if we allow, humbles us and reminds us that we must live dependent upon God, which then, if we allow, will transform our hearts and bring about compassion that then, if we allow, draws us deeper into the presence of God where he can use us to touch and minister into the lives of others. And if I keep going with this, that touch could then begin the cycle of brokenness and growth in the lives of those God connects us to. So there's a pattern here. If we are allow suffering, you know, um, and if we allow hardships, if we allow trials, then that brings about brokenness. And if we allow that brokenness will bring about humility of heart, you know, humility of spirit, it will allow us to grow deeper in our relationship with God and to develop more compassion. And then we grow deeper into the presence of God. And then after that, that presence and that space that we're in can be 
used, we will be in a position where we can be used to touch the lives of others, which would kickstart the process in their lives. So it's a cycle. It's not just about, oh, I'm going through hard things to go through hard things. No, you're going through hard things so that that way you can see the likeness of Christ being formed in you. You know, so I can see the likeness of Christ being formed in me. And therefore, as I let that likeness come out of me, then God can use me for maximum effectiveness, which is what this particular chapter is all about. Multiple times, as I explained the growth cycle, I said, if we allow. The Mm -hmm. truth is that we have a choice in the process. We can choose to allow hardship to break us and open us up to God and the move of his spirit. Or we can allow the breaking process to harden us and close us off to God and his spirit. I wasn't going to mention this scripture because we've heard it so often. I really was trying to find something new. But the more I thought about it, the more I said this experience about Paul and his thorn in the flesh. It really is a very good example. It's one of the best examples of how to handle hardship and how to handle brokenness and how to handle suffering for even long periods of time. So if you look at 2 Corinthians um, chapter 12. Verses 7 through 10, again, that is page 1425 in the voice. It says, to keep me grounded and stop me from becoming too high and mighty due to the extraordinary character of these revelations, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a nagging nuisance of Satan, a messenger to plague me. I begged the Lord three times to liberate me from his anguish. And finally, he said to me, My grace is enough to cover and sustain you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So ask me about my thorn, inquire about my weaknesses, and I will gladly go on and on. I would rather stake my claim in these and have the power of the anointed one at home within me. I am at peace and even take pleasure in any weaknesses, insults, hardship, persecutions, and afflictions for the sake of the anointed. Because when I am at my weakest, he makes me strong. Charles Stanley says, whenever you experience brokenness, God can sustain you. He will show you how to relinquish your reliance on earthly forms of security and teach you how to rest in his wonderful provision and love. In this way, you will grow in the likeness of Christ and be prepared for future service. It's like what Paul said. I mean, it was just kind of amazing because he said, instead of me getting down because I have this thorn in my flesh that God won't take away, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be at peace. I'm going to take pleasure even in this weakness, in these insults, in this hardship, in this persecution, in this affliction. I'm going to hold on to this because I know that Christ is being formed in me. His strength is being made perfect in me so that I can go out and minister. And how many of us, when we go through hardship, do we say that? Do we say, thanks God for this hardship because you're making, you're forming yourself in me? Or do we get bitter? Or do we complain? Or do we worry? Do we, what do we really do? The reality is that we have a choice in all of these things. We can become fearful. We can become bitter, anxious, angry. We can allow our natural tendencies, whatever they may be, to come out during hardship. Or we can go to God and we can ask him to reveal the lesson that we need to learn. We can invite brokenness or keep doing it our own way. I'll give you the answer to this hardship test. Brokenness is the way to go. Doing it our own way will just lead to more hardship and an unnecessarily long period of testing. The quicker we yield, the quicker we can shift to an atmosphere of worship and peace, knowing that God's grace is sufficient and he's guiding us through the season we find ourselves in. And, you know, the thing is that 
I'm not saying that the quicker you yield, the quicker you get out of it. Mm -mm. The quicker you yield, the quicker you can transform the atmosphere around you to an atmosphere of worship and praise and peace so that that way you can be in fellowship and closer fellowship to God. And then you're not worried about the time. If I'm in it for a month, fine. If I'm in it for five months, I'm fine. If I'm in it for a year, it don't matter because I'm in the presence of God and all I'm doing is worshiping and I'm praising and I'm trusting that he's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of the situation. And really in the midst of it, he's going to grow a heart of compassion passion in me so that the next time I come in contact with somebody, I can minister to them from a deeper place because I can say, you know what? I've been in this for two months and I've been believing God for this, but it's not coming through. I'm just praising and worshiping. So I know if I can do it, then you can do it. That's really what it's about. We will be at peace knowing that as we let go of relying on ourselves, the strength of God will come upon us and we can partner with God to see transformation in the earth. I kept thinking about how we use this word, like I want to be used by God. I want to be used by God. And I don't know, it was something about that. When you think about somebody using you, that doesn't really give you that great feeling. And I and it came to me as I was going through this, this lesson, I was like, I don't think I really want to say I want to be used. What I want to do is be in partnership with God and be in partnership with his spirit. Because sometimes when you think about being used, it's like you didn't have a choice. Somebody was manipulating you or something like that. But when you partner with somebody, you have made a conscious decision and effort to go and connect in with whatever is going to be done, business deal, whatever it is. And that's what I want to think of this about. I want to think about my relationship with Christ as being a partnership because that's what he wanted. He wanted us. He made us sisters and brothers, you know, and you don't use your sisters you don't use your brothers you don't use your family I mean if you're a good family member you don't do that and so and so that was kind of so that's why I wanted to shift the way I thought about this like I have an opportunity to be broken so that I can partner with God in continuing the work that he needs to do on this earth Amen. I want in first Peter chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 in the voice says page 1506 it says Dear ones, don't be surprised when you experience your trial by fire. It is not something strange and unusual, but it is something you should rejoice in. In it, you share the anointed sufferings and you'll be that much more joyful when his glory is revealed. Remember, God will reveal himself through our seasons of brokenness. I mean, that is a beautiful thing. Sometimes we have hardships in our lives and we start thinking like, oh, I'm the only one going through this. And this is so weird and stuff like, no, 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 no. We all go through hardships and we yeah. go through them at different times. We go through them at different levels. But if we can all just turn our mentality to say, you know what, when I go through hardship, this is my opportunity to suffer, you know, with God. And I get to see his glory revealed in my life, revealed in my community, revealed in this world, then it, it takes on suffering, takes on a whole new kind of perspective. I wanted to read, I was looking at this devotion. I, I used to read um, 
the my utmost for as high as it's an Oswald Chambers devotion. And I found this devotion and I'm almost done. Um, and it's called Partakers of His Suffering. And I wanted to read this to you because I didn't even see it until after the fact that the key scripture was actually first Peter four and 13. I was like, oh, wow, look at how that connected. It says, you know, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. If you are going to be useful, used by God, he will take you through a number of experiences that are not meant for you personally at all. They are designed to make you useful in his hands and to enable you to understand what takes place in the lives of others. Because of this process, you will never be surprised by what comes your way. You say, oh, I can't deal with that person. Why can't you? God gave you sufficient opportunities to learn from him about that problem, but you turned away, not heeding the lesson because it seemed foolish to spend your time that way. The sufferings of Christ were not those of ordinary people. He suffered according to the will of God, 1 Peter 4, 19. Having a different point of view of suffering from ours, it is only through our relationship with Christ Jesus that we can understand what God is after in his dealings with us. When it comes to suffering, it is part of our Christian culture to want to know God's purpose beforehand. In the history of the Christian church, the tendency has been to avoid being identified with the sufferings of Jesus Christ. People have sought to carry out God's orders through a shortcut of their own. God's way is always the way of suffering, the way of the long road home. Are we partakers of Christ's sufferings? Are we prepared for God to stamp out our personal ambitions? Are we prepared for God to destroy our individual decisions by supernaturally transforming them? It will mean not knowing why God is taking us that way, because knowing would make us spiritually proud. We never realize at the time what God is putting us through. We go through it more or less without understanding. Then suddenly we come to a place of enlightenment and realize God has strengthened me and I didn't even know it. It says the wisdom from Oswald Chambers, you know, it says crisis reveals character. When we are put to the test, the hidden resources of our character are revealed exactly. And I think, you know, just listen to this. We realize that the purpose of, of suffering, the purpose of brokenness goes so much, you know, is so much bigger, so much greater than just us going through hard times. It mm-hmm. really is about that fellowship in the suffering of Christ. It really is about um being able to be positioned so that way again you can continue the work of God you know in this earth Charles Stanley reminds us that God uses trials for two reasons one to transform you into the image of Christ and you can see Ephesians 5 1 and 2 about for that and then also to develop your potential as his representative in this world and you can see Philippians 3 9 and 10 and Colossians 1 and 24 I wanted to touch on Colossians 1 and 24 before I end. And that is in page uh, on page 1450. It says, now I rejoice in what I've suffered on your behalf. But even more suffering is ahead for me as I take on and complete what remains of the anointed suffering for the sake of his body, the church. Now, I ended up going into this big study about this scripture because when I first read it, and I read it in like every version that was available on Bible Gateway, but when I read it, I was like, 
is this saying like Paul is finishing the work on the cross or something? I mean, I was just a little lost and I had to read commentaries and everything. And it's like a lot of discussion out there about what, what Paul was really saying. But the more I read and the more I understood, I realized that what this is saying is back to what I just said is that there is a larger purpose in our suffering. And what it is, is that um, as we suffer, we are a part of the body of Christ. And so it is almost like Christ's body is continuing that work, is continuing that suffering so that the ministry that Christ, he didn't, if you think about it, Christ didn't finish his full ministry here on the earth. He came and he died on the cross for our sins and he opened up the way and the path for us to be reconciled with God. But as it relates to him actually finishing, like people being able to see the fullness of that work done, he couldn't finish that part because he created us as his body to finish that part. And so our suffering is, is, is so much greater than just, oh, we are suffering for ourselves. The reality is like, no, we are suffering as the body of Christ so that the world at large can see what that suffering looks like, can see what that hardship looks like and see that glory and see that power of God working through us as we suffer and we're broken in the way where we don't get hard and we don't shut down, but we continue to give, we continue to pour out, we continue to show love. And so that is like, when I thought about that, I was like, wow, I never really saw that. Like, I'm not just suffering for me. I'm suffering as part of the larger body of Christ and as as part of being able to continue God, you know, Christ's earthly ministry. I mean, that just takes it to a whole new level. It's not that I want to keep suffering, but I can have, I can go through it with a different perspective because I'm like, this isn't about me. You know, Amen. this is about something so much greater than me. And if I can just realize that, if I can just, you know, invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to, to work through me and to enlighten me so that I can understand what this is really all about, then I can see, you know, it says miracle signs and wonders will follow those that believe this mm-hmm. is the beginning of that. You know, yeah. when we are going through hardship and we we pray and we believe and we trust that God is going to break us out and then he brings us out. Those are the miracle signs and wonders, you know, for people to look at and say, oh, wow, this there's something to this Christianity thing. There's something to this being a follower of Jesus thing. And that's what we're here for is really to just say. That brokenness, we can let it truly break us, you know, to the point where we just want to stay in our bed and get depressed and just eat, you know, whatnot. But we could or we could change it around and say, I'm going to let this brokenness break me and grow compassion in me so that that way, when I come across some other person who's going through that compassion flows out of me and begins to really bring healing in whatever format that healing needs to come for the people that we're coming in contact with. Everything that we do is about seeing Christ formed and manifested in ourselves and in this earth, because this earth, we know it needs Christ. People need Christ. People need, you know, faith. They need hope. They need love. They need inspiration. We are the ambassadors. We are the ones that are going to show people the way, you know, to that faith, to that hope, to the love. Because Christ, he did his part and he left us here. He said, all right, I did my part. Tag team. Now I need you to do your part. Mm -hmm. And that's what, this is how we get to doing our part in the most effective way that we can. Allow brokenness, allow suffering. 
And so that's all I have for you for today. I hope that you can take something from that. You know, um, I know I did. I went in thinking, oh, I know this already. And I left the study thinking, I need to think about this a little more. I need to check my own self. And as we're in consecration, that's what I've been doing, checking my own self to say, is my heart in the right place? Is my heart fully aligned with God? Where can I continue to align myself with what God is wanting to do in this earth, what he's wanting to do? You know, sometimes we may say, oh, in the earth, that's a big thing. What does he want me to do in my family? What does he want me to do among my friends? What does he want me to do in my neighborhood? What does he want me to do in my school, on my job? That's really where it counts. You know, people are crying out for Christ. And so you might see that um, I didn't touch on everything, you know, in terms of this particular chapter, but you got a whole week to read the various um, three devotions related to this particular chapter and use what I said today as a springboard to go deeper, you know, into what God is speaking to you. Okay. With that, we just bow our heads. Father, we thank you right now for just your word today. We thank you for just everything that you're saying to us. I just pray that your spirit would just bring alive um, the words and that they would just be... just very deep down in the hearts of each and every person. And guys, maybe some of what I said was not for right now, but I thank you that um, as we continue along the path of our lives, that when the time is right, that these words would come back to us and would strengthen us and help us to do what it is you've calling us to do. God, we invite brokenness. It's like you desire those of us who are broken, those who have a contrite heart. Oh God, you, you, that's what you're looking for. And so I just pray that we would just just go around and have an attitude of God, break me where you need to break me so that I can be part, so that I can partner with you to do a greater work in this earth because this earth needs you, God. And I want to see more people drawn to you in whatever way you draw them. It's not about me, but it's about you. It's about each and every person that I come in contact with. And so, Lord, I just give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.